Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Alex. Um, yeah, I don't feel very uh, prepared or qualified to be up here, I guess. But, uh, I know there's people that are like twice my age almost that can probably gather their thoughts a little better than I can. Um, but I was reading across, I typed a lot of my, what I was going to share down, just because I can get, I can hold a thought for about maybe five minutes, and I start wandering off. But anyway, I was reading across a, a verse, I don't know, it was probably a week or so ago, that I was talking about the potter and the clay, and... It was just that's part. That's kind of what my message is about. And uh, so I'll start. It's in uh, Isaiah 64, verse eight and nine. It says, "And yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are the Potter. We are all formed by your hand. Don't be so angry with us, Lord. Please don't remember our sins forever. Look at us, we pray, and see that we are all your people." In uh, Jeremiah 18.6, it says, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter does? Says the Lord, look carefully, as the clay is, is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. And then um, in Isaiah 29, there's some verses that talks about, Well, judgment is coming to those who try to deeply hide their plans from the Lord, whose deeds are done in a dark place. And who say, who sees us, or who knows us? You turn things upside down with your perversity. Shall the potter be considered equal with the clay? That the thing that is made would say to its maker, He did not make me. Or the thing that is formed, say to him who formed it, He has no understanding. And sometimes, uh, looking at those verses, by our actions and stuff, like we can kind of, we can do that in a way, in our own lives, you know. We question God, and uh, or question you know the circumstances that we're going through, and, and start doubting. You know, it's, if you picture uh, God as our as the Potter, molding and shaping us, and, and uh, we in life I have, have I've done it. You know, I question what this stuff is for. What you know, what. Uh, is God really in control? Um, so, in uh, looking through this, I was just looking at uh, how they make pottery and how they shape clay and stuff. And I read across the process of pottery and watched a video of a guy make, making a bowl from a lump of clay. And the first thing they do with a lump of clay is add water to make it soft and pliable. And then they continue to use water throughout the whole process. They constantly are. Too much water is not good, but they have to have the right amount so it, so it can form. And the Word of God is often referred to, um, is often related to as God's Word. And so if you picture God as the potter and we are the clay, in order for us to be soft and pliable, we should be engaging in the Word of God. In Ephesians 5, 
26, it says, so, so that he might sanctify the church, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word of God. And I think um, and that requires us in our desire to be in the word, to be washed by the word. Um, and I, was, I mean, it's a question for all of us about are we pliable or are we rigid and not able to be shaped? Um, the next thing, they placed a lump of clay on a spinning wheel. And the wheel goes like in a circle like this. And they have to center it properly. Because if it's out of center, um, it'll rupture out the side. Um, as they're trying to mold it, it'll wobble. And I had to think that um, being centered in Christ is very important. Have Christ is the center of our lives and not being out of, out of shape or uneven, but surrendering our, our will to, to His will on a daily basis. Um, and I know that's that takes faith and something I'm trying to grow in is, is in every situation that I wouldn't uh, quickly resist or try to bring my own strength into play. And next, the potter pushes, like when they form it, they, they, they um, have a lump and then they push down in the middle of the lump like to create a cavity. And then it starts forming into a shape. But it's interesting that like they have one hand on the inside after they create a hole and one hand on the outside. And they're they're doing a lot of the work that's on the inside. But the hand the one hand is on the inside of the clay lump and one on the outside. And then the the hardest I would say what it looks like is the most of the movement from the pot from the pot, uh, potter pottery guy is that it's on the inside pushing but wherever he's pushing he always has a hand on the outside and I can picture God in that way you know, first he touches our hearts on the inside and he's molding and shaping us and his hand on the outside is there to keep us from falling and collapsing and through the different trials and things that we go through um, and the question, I, another question that's for me, for, for all of us, is that, you know, are we allowing the hand of God in our lives to change us? It, it don't matter really where we're at in life. You always have room for change if you're seeking God. And it says, for the eyes of the Lord, this is in a James, no, 2 Chronicles. For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth so that he may support those whose heart is completely his. And also in James 1, it says, Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above. It comes down from the Father of lights, the creator and sustainer of the heavens, in whom there is no variation, no rising or setting, or shadow cast by his turning. For he is a perfect, for he is perfect and never changes. It was of his own will that he gave us birth as his children by the word of truth, so that we would be the kind of first fruits of his creatures. A prime example of of what he created to be set apart to himself, sanctified, made holy for his divine purpose. 
And one of the last things the potter does is take a knife and cut off any excess clay that accumulated to smooth out the rough edges. And I had to think in John 15, it talks about the way God prunes us. Um, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that continues to bear fruit, he repeatedly prunes so that it will bear more fruit, even richer and finer fruit. And those pruning times are not fun. Um, it doesn't feel good to the flesh, but God has this perfect, perfect plan in mind for each one of us. And we won't get there on our own strength. Um, in James 1, it says, So get rid of all uncleanness and, that, and all that remains of wickedness. And with a humble spirit, receive the word of God, which is implanted, actually rooted in your heart, which is able to save your souls. And it's just things like uh, I guess I like to see things happen I like to see progress um, and the stuff that I've been kind of challenged with in my own life lately is, is, is my personality is my character changing you know I, I know there's flaws in it um is it, is it changing more and more into the image of Christ? And God created us to be useful. You know, we, we can't really be useful if we're not being changed in, uh, in uh, allowing God to use us. Like uh, the pots and pans and the containers that, that we use on a day-to-day basis. Um, they're... We don't think about it. And there's a lot of things we don't think about, but back in the old days, like that's how they had to create those. They didn't really have plastic containers and stuff. They created it out of clay. But uh, the usefulness of them is, I mean, it's, it's important that we are in the same way, useful to God, like a container that He can fill. And, and uh, we can run over and bless other people. I think it was Leon that shared there that a verse that something about refreshing others. You you and yourself will be refreshed by refreshing others. And um, in two Timothy two twenty to twenty six, not only a large house, there are not only vessels and objects of gold and silver, but also vessels and objects of wood and of earthenware, and some are for honorable and noble good. Use and some for dishonorable and common use. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things which are dishonorable, disobedient, sinful, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and set apart for a special purpose, and useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Run away from useful lusts, pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those believers who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. They have nothing to do with foolish and ignorant quests, speculations, useless disputes over unedifying and stupid controversies, since you know that they produce strife and give birth to quarrels. The servant of the Lord must not participate in quarrels, but must be kind to every, everyone, even tempered, preserving peace. And he must be skilled in teaching and patient and tolerant when wrong. He must correct those who are in opposition with courtesy and gentleness, in the hope that God may grant that they will repent and be led to the knowledge of the truth, accurately understanding and welcoming it that they may come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil, being held captive by him to do his will. 
And I was thinking, you know, God gives us the ability to choose Him or reject Him. He allows it to reign over us, over the just and over the unjust. And we get, we get to choose, we can choose evil. Or we can choose to just, um, to walk our own way. But each one of us will bear the consequences of our choices. And um, in Romans, in Romans nine, yeah, Romans nine twenty nine um, talks about Isaiah. Or it says it is as Isaiah foretold. If the Lord of hosts had not left us seed, future generations from which a believing remnant of Israelites came, we would have become like Sodom and would have resembled Gomorrah, totally rejected and destroyed. And that's the mercy of God. You know, um, the uh, that's something I awed by, you know, is God could have, he could look at the evil that's around and destroy the earth. Um, why, why hasn't he? That's the question that kind of came to my mind over the past couple of weeks is, why wouldn't he? Um, are, are we what's holding him back? And because of, you know, his mercy like he held his wrath back from, or he would have held his wrath back from Sodom and Gomorrah if they, if they could have found enough righteous men. And I just had to think, is, is, you know, I know he has a set a time when he will come back, but is it prolonged by righteous men? Um, is this something I was thinking about? Um, and. He's looking for, God's looking for a, a daily conversation, a relationship with us. It's not a, uh, you know, I think that's what he treasures. Because I had to think, what does God treasure? Like, what keeps him from, from uh, just disposing of us or sending his wrath down on, on this earth? And I think it, it is the relationship status. Like, he created animals, he created this earth, but the the um, the relationship that he's able to have with the, with the human, with, with what he, he created, and we're the only type of creation that can have that relationship with Christ. And I think that's what he treasures. And you know, we can have religion, we can have the secular world, the religious world, whatever it may be. Um, but if we don't have that relationship, it means nothing. And, and it's just, it's, it resembles a lot of our earthly father's relationship. And some may not have had a good relationship with the father, but um, there's a lot of this, the same, there's a lot of the same, uh, it, goes, it goes a lot the same. Um, obviously, there's a, it's a deeper relationship, but the practicalness of it is very much the same. Um, in Lamentations 3, but this I call to mind, therefore I have hope. It is because of the Lord's loving kindness that we are not consumed, because His tender compassions never fail. 
They are new every morning. Great and beyond measure is your faithfulness. And it's, it was in my, you know, in my prayer that I would have more, or in my mind, that I would have more of a constant state of communication with God um, in every circumstance. Um, and then there's a song that I thought we could sing then. Um, have thine own way. But a little context to that song. I was kind of, obviously that's the one that popped in my mind when I was thinking of Potter and Clay. Um, but it was, uh, I think Adelaide Pollard wrote that in 1902. This is just a little uh, paragraph that I found on the. But she served the Lord faithfully all of her adult life. She was 42. And she was dreaming of, of going to take the gospel to Africa as a missionary. And she's finally getting ready to go. And I guess some financial support that she would have had fell apart. So she was pretty upset about it. And she went to a prayer meeting that, that night. And she heard the words of another older lady praying that um, she prayed. This was another lady that she was beside. Said, it really doesn't matter what you do with us, Lord. Just have your own way with our lives. And it says she couldn't get that idea out of her, out of her mind. And later that evening, she sat meditating on Jeremiah 18, 1 to 3. The story of the potter shaping the clay. And that night, she wrote the, the song, Have Thine Own Way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and shape me after thy will. While I'm waiting, yielded and still. And she did eventually go to Africa as a missionary. But um, sometimes it's that, uh, it's that change that we, maybe we don't think we need, but we need. And God has ways of bringing that about. But as long as we're uh, willing to be molded, shaped and that prayer it challenges me can I say that does it matter what I want or can I say that, you know it's definitely it takes a lot of faith to to speak those words and then that's all I have I don't know Tim if you want to sing that song or start that song it'd be good bless everyone